You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away back, gone. Go hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to A's Cast Live. I'm actually jotting notes that I have just received some information that I think will be interesting for A's fans about their roster. That I have, I mean, literally, I walked in here and just learned this and wrote it down for you. Great show for you today. Our buddy Mike Farron from Sirius XM. The MLB channel, channel 89 on XM for me, will join us. We are listening on the way up to our buddy, buddy CJ Nikowski and Brad Lidge. Loud outs as we're driving up uh, here to San Francisco. Obviously behind us, you see when we have this background, we're in San Francisco at NBC Sports. Busy, busy day here as you have the Warriors taking on the Kings. You got the Giants and the Cardinals and, of course, the Athletics taking on the Angels. And when you're up here and they're doing Warriors, that means they're also doing Kings. So they're doing two different pregame shows for two different NBA teams. So lots to do very busy around here. But we're also going to have Johnny Gomes, who's going to partner with me tonight on NBC Sports California. I'm excited uh, to have Johnny and do the pre with Johnny. You know how much I love Johnny Gomes, and he's been so good to me in my career, and now i got to work with him doing television. But we got about a half hour with him. We've already taped it. So a half hour of just baseball with Petaluma's own and A's legend. He'll always be a great A. That's Johnny Gomes and now doing TV for us. By the way, brand new Link Solo Polo busted out today. What do you think? I like it. I have that. Huh? I've been wearing the polos a lot more recently. Uh, this Sun's is so much, out, guns out. It's 87 degrees, and I have a pullover on. Well, so. we're always in air conditioned in here, but uh, it's also like 65 in San Francisco. So yeah, <laughs> coldest winter I ever had. Uh, thank you, Mark Twain. No, um, there you go. By the way, our fearless leader, Delaire Lewars. Lewars. I told him we taped with Johnny Gums. He goes, "So wait, so Ace fans get an hour straight of Towney and Johnny if you watch Ace Cast live, and then you get Ace pre and post yeah. game." Yeah. On NBC Sports California. Fact. Got a Our problem with that? Johnny. No, it's 
That's great content. Did you tell him just to go into that little closet and push buttons? Because that's what you're good at? Did you uh, tell him that? Did you, did you stand up to management? Um, As everybody wants us to stand up to management, did you stand up to management? I walked in and said, hey, hey, boss, how are you? Oh, you <laughs> Actually, I didn't suck. say boss. You suck. You, you <laughs> should have said, shut your mouth and push those buttons. That's all you do. Know your role. <laughs> and shut your mouth. Uh, here on Ace Cast Live, we're going to stay in our lane. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, you stick it, stick it to the man. He's in the other room. Go ahead, stick it to him. I had, I'm, a, I told he's on the phone, but I was going to walk. David Feldman walked in while we were taping with Johnny. You going to go after him too? I was going to say, don't you dare ever walk into my studio again and record. Yeah, this is my studio right now because we're using it. That's right. He walked in here. Who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> I have a, I, I think I got a pretty good question for the great David Feldman that's in the notes today. Did you know? So once again, Mike Farron and Johnny Gomes coming up here in moments. Three Cuban-born hitters, Adolis Garcia, Jordan Alvarez. By the way, Jordan, do you, did you hear about what's going on with him? See, some kind of neck injury now or something? He's there? back in Houston. Yeah, it's not good. He's back in Houston. And they beat the Rays yesterday. That, 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 that's a non-factor for me. He's back in Houston. Do you know why that's a problem? It's on your fantasy team? He's been carrying my team. <laughs> and I got this report. At, see why I hate fantasy? I should have never agreed to this damn league. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is my guy, and he's been carrying me, right? He's a great player. This kid stays healthy. He could be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's one of them. Oh, he's, now you want to jump on the mat? I told you he was going to be the greatest home run hitter ever a couple years ago. Okay. You know what, Cody? I want credit. Cody. You, like, read about guys, and then you act like, I've been watching J.J. No, you didn't watch Jordan. You didn't even know Jordan. I knew who he was, and he got traded for but Josh Fields. But it doesn't Fields. matter. You don't watch Astros games. You have to watch the games to get credit I, for it. I go back you and watch. Re you read somebody else's opinion, <laughs> and then you claim it's yours. That's no, fraudulent. No one ever said he was going to be the greatest home run hitter because of how good he was, gonna be, hitter, he was his rookie year. Do I have to go back and check the tape? I don't think anyone. No, no, no. You just, like no one, just like no, no one said the Marlins are going to the postseason in 2020, but I said they would. Can I get down? Can yeah. I get? If you don't know, Cody likes Cody. Cody will bring. Cody can bring any story back to Cody. That's what a great producer does. I would does. love to have your wife on the program. What is it like to live with Cody on a daily basis? Well, she she either works or she, she sleeps before work, so we don't interact that much during the day. Uh, so Jordan got. And by the way, so Jordan's killing my fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> Adolis, Adolis Garcia, Jordan Alvarez, and one of the great names ever, Randy Arozarena. They lead your MLB RBI list. Who are the only two Cuban-born players to lead the league in RBIs in a full season? Two Cuban-born players at the end of the year had the most RBI. You think RBIs don't matter? I think they matter, so this question's important to me. Two Cuban-born players at the end of the year had the most RBIs. Who am I? Oh, well, since you said full season, I guess Jose Abreu doesn't count because he did it before. Um, it wasn't Jordan. It's Juan Gon Cuban. Or is he from the Dominican? I do not know the origins of Juan <laughs> Gonzalez's birth. So, so I guess he's not one of them. When then. he had 170, how many RBIs did he have in that one year? It was crazy. Uh, it he was, was going after Hack Wilson's record. 
Hack Wilson 191. I don't think that record's going to get broken. Uh, Juan Gonzalez is from Puerto Rico, actually. That's my bad. Puerto Rico, what? One, 150, huh? 157 is what he had that year. So this isn't about Puerto Rican-born players. So this is not about a Puerto Rican player. It's about a Cuban player. You said there's two of them? There's two. I'm not even going to – the guys I thought of were – since you said full season, I lost Abreu, so. Jose Abreu in 2019 – Oh, because I led thinking, the league with 123. Because right. I was thinking of the 2020 season. I think he led then too. Because you said full season, so that's why I was, I was thinking of 2020 in a full season. Yeah. The other shame on you, Jose Canseco in 1988. Oh, MVP, 40 40. Won 100 had 124 RBIs. And how many steals did he have that year? Like 40. It was 40 40. It's like 42 dingers and 40 whatever. Yeah, Brady led in 20, uh, 2020. He played all 60 games and had 60 RBI. But they have the caveat of the full season. Yeah, uh, Canseco in 88 as we look. How are these numbers? Uh, Jose in 1988 only hit um, 307. Um, he hit a, 307. A power hitter hitting 300. Check that out. Uh, 959 OPS, 42 dingers, 124 runs batted in, 40 steals, and he had a 170 OPS plus. Is that any good? It's pretty good. 23 years old, by the way. Uh, 170 OPS plus led all baseball. Uh, led in home runs and RBI and slugging. 569 slugging percentage. But we don't care about the slash line. We just want the OPS. Yes. We're in agreement with these notes we get every day. We get this slash line. Just can you add the two numbers for me so I don't have to do it? Um, to lead the league in dingers, RBIs, slug, and OPS, it's hard to believe he didn't lead in total bases. That's actually a number we don't bring up enough. Total bases. 347. Yep. Um, who, Hank Aaron. Henry Aaron has the most, right? Oh, it's not, it's not even close. And Polos is like so far behind him because like, Polos is second. It's like no one's even close total bases. That's where, you, you, you know, getting a first, second, third, all the bases you touch, total bases. I mean, it's not It's not even I, – I, I did this – what did I do in the postgame show one night where I'm like, you think how great some of these players are? Like you don't even sniff him in total bases. Like, who would have had more total bases than him that year? Well, let's see. Wade Boggs had a good year. Did he have any total bases that he had? There's have? no way. Not even close. Wade Boggs had 286. Yeah, it's not even close. I was looking because he, he had. He doesn't a, have the homers. So, who else would have been, who else would have been in the American League then? There's a lot of great players. But I'm looking at I'm looking at the MVP race that year. Like, who finished in the, the – I mean, the next guy in the home run race was Mike Greenwell of Boston. He had 22 home runs. Oh, Mike Greenwell. Mike Greenwell was a good player. Look at Eck. God was fifth in votes that year. The great Dave Winfield. I mean, even Ricky. Two, two, I, mean, I was just thinking. Uh, so, National League then. National League that year. Uh, the, the, the leader in home runs in National League that year was Daryl Strawberry, 39. Straw. Daryl Strawberry. God, if he just wouldn't have got into drugs, what a career he would have had. All right. Uh, so, Jose Canseco and Jose Abreu. So, just to get um, – the note that I wrote down that I, I felt was very interesting is that the A's, the A's finally are getting young. Finally. Finally. I've talked a lot about that post-game show. I've talked a lot about it on this show. Uh, I, I hammered it home last year, and I know, like, people, why does he keep talking about this? Is because I kept wanting to tell you is that everybody keeps talking about how young they are, and they got these old guys. Got a bunch of old guys. Just look at the average age. The A started out with an average age of 28.93, 12th in the league. 
Now with the moves that are being made, as of right now, with Luis Medina going to be pitching today, the A's are now the third youngest roster in baseball. So finally, finally we can start saying they're getting younger. But the average age is still 28. I'd like to get way younger than that. I was looking. I was trying to look up. I would love to get way younger than that. I've said it. Listen, unless a guy is a special leader, like this guy is, what he does in the clubhouse. I mean, what he does for you on road trips. He's leading the charge. He's he's teaching these young guys. I would. I'd keep that guy around or two of those guys around. Everybody else would be twenty six or younger. I'm looking. The average. This is on Baseball References. Before Medina actually appears in a game, he'd be the. He will be the 35th guy to appear in a game because Sammy Long appeared last night. Yeah. Um, that would look good, too. Yeah, the A's uh, average age for batters is 28 and a half, and then pitchers is 28 before Medina. So cap going down and Medina coming up, that's going to drag it down. So, yeah, that makes it sensibly 28. The only, team that, the only teams that have a younger pitching staff than the A's are the Guardians and the Rays in the American League and then the Marlins in the National League. The G- Guardians pitching staff is 26.6, and they had a guy pitch today that was another prospect who – dealt really well and pitched well against uh, – I forget who the Guardians were playing, but he pitched well, got called up. He's not one of their prospects. He pitched really well. They get eight strikeouts or so, A-plus. So, Guardians are right there, but that's good to see that the A's are finally are embracing the uh, youth movement. No doubt about it. And Luis Medina will make his debut tonight. He turns 24 next Wednesday. Yeah, I think it's on May, May 3rd, right? May 3rd. Is. Not May the 4th Yeah, no, that's in your Mandalorian. Don't steal that from Cots. That May 3rd, he'll turn 24. So if you look at the trade for Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino, you got J.P. Sears, Ken Waldachuk, and Luis Medina. They're now all going to be in the rotation. So right now, nine starts this year. Sears and Waldachuk have combined to go 0-3 with a 6.51 ERA, 15 home runs. That has to come down. Um The scouting report on Medina is simple. He's 96, 97, can get all the way up to 102. So that probably varies ballpark to ballpark. But, you know, if you're getting up in that range, you're throwing some serious smoke. Scouts absolutely love his curveball. They think his curveball is unhittable. We will see about that. Changeup was going to be around 89 miles an hour. And he's very athletic. Very athletic delivery. He's going to get up there and he's going to bring it. There is one problem. There are times where he does not know where the ball's going. And that, to me, tonight, what we are going to see, and I want to just see this guy, if you're bringing him up, keep him in the rotation, right? Keep him in the rotation. Let's see. Until it gets... And knock on wood, it never gets to that point. But if it gets too bad, then you send him back down. But let him, let him pitch. Like, look at the way Waldachuk has thrown the last three times. Look at the way Sears, his last outing in Texas. Let these guys pitch. A guy like Cap could probably pitch his way out. Cap pitched his way out of the rotation. It's as simple as that. He's now got to go down to AAA, and – I don't know how you find it down at AAA, but he's got to go down to AAA and he's got to find whatever he needs to find on how to get people out here at the big league level on a consistent basis. And a lot of that, too, is also throwing strikes. But this kid tonight, what I would like to see, it's purely simple. I would like a game plan 
you're not going to worry about the scouting report. And I can give you numbers here. Hunter Renfro is hot. Mike Trout is hot. Shohei Otani is not. Shohei Otani's hitting a buck 48 his last seven games with seven Ks. He's not seeing it well right now, but whatever. He, looked, he didn't have good at-bats against Mason Miller either. I'm saying this. Scrap that. I'm not worried about scouting reports of the opposition. I'm worried about what this kid does well. What are his strengths? What does he feel good with? And that's what I'm pitching to. You like throwing inside? You like throwing on the outer half? Wherever you like. Because I'm not expecting six, seven innings. I don't know how many times he's going to go through these through through the Angels lineup. So I'm going to say what it what or I should know already, but what is he comfortable with? What is he comfortable throwing and what counts? Whatever he's comfortable with, I'm not I'm not moving the ball all around. If he likes throwing inside, I, I'm I'm I haven't checked the lineup. Who's catching tonight? Is it Langleyers uh, or no, Perez? No, it's Perez. All right, if I'm Perez. Big boy, where you want me to be? Where are you comfortable? You're cut around, comfortable on the outer half. I'm hanging out in the outer half, and I'm not. And I'm not nibbling. I'm gonna stay in the strike zone. We do not want to see fastball down, fastball out. I don't want to be living on the edges because if he's living on the edges, this kid's gonna throw balls. I need feel for inside the strike zone. We'll talk to Johnny Gomes about this. Remember, no one's hitting 500. You can throw balls in the strike zone. Odds are, percentages are, you're going to get guys out. Stay in the strike zone. Keep him in the strike zone. Because one of the things that happens with any pitcher, doesn't matter the age, is when you start losing your mechanics and your release point and it starts going all over the place, it's tough to get you back in the strike zone. You want those mechanics. You want the focus. You want everything being in the strike zone. Don't get too cute. Throw strikes. If they beat you inside the strike zone, so be it. Don't get to a point to where all of a sudden balls, because what you'll start to see, and you've seen it with Caprillion, everything starts to be outside. He's throwing across his body. Everything's fastballs, breaking balls. Everything's not close. You've got to keep him coming down the hill, and you've got to keep him pumping it in the strike zone. And if they're hitting it, Fine. But we can't get into Wakapalooza. You get into Wakapalooza, next thing you know, it's two innings, two and a third, three and a third, and now it's bullpen city again, and God knows that's been killing this bullpen. It's got to be strike-a-palooza, not Wakapalooza. And let's and you know what happens when guys hit it? Sometimes, Cody, they hit it to the defense, and you pitch to contact, and you utilize your defense, and it works. Not everything has to be strikeouts. I would say they still do that in baseball, but no, it's the one thing about Medina from what I from what I read and and leaking the box score, he held opponents to batting average in AAA to one sixty one. Walks were an issue. He had, he had eleven strikeouts and eight Free walks, passes. and only what was it nine in the third innings pitched. So, oh, so it was five walks and three walk pitches and the hit batter. So, it's uh we want to see him command the strike zone. He has some good pitches from what from the notes that we've seen. His fastball gets up to one or two as you mentioned. He has a good curveball and his changeup is is pretty good too. In a it has, it's as it says, flash plus at times with good splitting action. So I want to see what he has to do. I mean, we're getting finally getting to see the young kids' pitch is what we wanted to see. Mason Miller's here, Walter Chuck. We're seeing every guy that was acquired in the Trevino Frankie Montas trade is pitching in this series against the Angels. Uh, this trade, 
this trade right here is better than the Sonny Gray trade. Momenteo's shortstop for the uh, Orioles. Uh, Caps in Vegas. Where's Dustin Fowler? Uh, we won over his numbers yesterday when he did in AAA 2019 where he was hitting home runs everywhere. I think he's out of the league. I don't, is he even in baseball anymore? I remember the Pirates had him for a bit, and then they let him go. Uh, Dustin Fowler, he's still only 28 years old. Um, yeah, he's not He's not playing anywhere, according to the internet. The last team he was on was the Pirates Sunny Gray trade is a stinker. Maybe this one. I mean, if you've got three fours, or we wouldn't even call that. Now we, I don't even know how many starters we got. What? What? A, a lot of your rotation is the Frankie Montas trade. Then you can start saying, yeah, this was actually a pretty good trade. Uh, Three-fifths of it. If you look, the other guys that aren't are Mason Miller and – who was the starter? Well, Fuji's out. Uh, Cap's out. Kyle Muller. Oh, Muller, yeah. So there's. But then if you have Rosinski. Oh, so three six, half your rotation? Right, right. now it's three fifths because Muller, I keep forgetting Muller. Muller and Miller, and then you have Waldachuk. You forget Sears the opening day starter? Yeah. There's a lot of M's in the rotation, the three M's, and then Waldachuk and. But I love how it, you know what? This is what I wanted. I mean, you're already 5 and 19. What the hell are you doing with veteran guys? What the hell are you doing with veteran guys hitting under two, two hitting under two hundred? I, I I get it. I, I I understand. I understand the the idea of because as we said yesterday, there's other teams with small payrolls who are doing well. I mean that 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 that's kind of a tough excuse now, right? Do you draft well? Do you have good signings? Do you have good trades? If you do that, you can be competitive. Uh, Cleveland, Tampa, Pittsburgh starting to do a little bit now. So just saying, well, you know. Milwaukee. I've never liked that excuse. And I know in the past we didn't like that excuse. We didn't care. We win despite the payroll. Now with people trying to go to the payroll, well, look how low it is. Okay, but you're still drafting people. Where are the second rounders, third rounders, fourth rounders, fifth rounders, sixth rounders? You're still drafting people. There's still all these people making trades. There's still guys to sign. Well, what'd you do? You you went out and you signed veteran guys thinking, you know what? If we get some veteran guys in here and they actually are productive, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of ifs. If this guy does this, if this guy does that, we can be competitive. Well, you start out the season, Rosinski's got a hammy. Bad finger and now a bad nail with Blackburn. That just sounds problematic going you're, forward. You're if veteran players, you're playing Tony Kemp every day. Not today. Is he finally out of the lineup? He's not playing today, yes. Both Aletmus and Aletmus Diaz is playing third day third base today, hitting a buck fifty six. You've been playing Tony Kemp every day; he's hitting a buck seventy, whatever. Uh, Jace Peterson is not in the lineup; he's hitting a buck something. I mean, all these veteran guys you brought in. Uh, Jesus Aguilar numbers look better because he had two home runs in one game. Yeah, good game. I mean, it's one game, but otherwise, he what is he really giving? He's giving you a bunch of solo shots. Um, he's giving you four. He's giving you four. He had one big home run. Yeah. Other than that, I I, you haven't gotten much out of Jesus Aguilar. So, I mean, just looking at the veteran guys, they haven't given you much. So the guys, the, the ifs that you brought in, they haven't, from a pitching and a offensive standpoint, they haven't performed. And that's like one of the reasons why. In hindsight's 2020, we can play hindsight's 2020. That's why you wanted to see a younger team. From the get-go, going, if we already knew it was going to be something like this, let's go young. Because right now, 
I'm excited. Jordan Diaz is in the lineup. I have no idea why he wasn't in the lineup last night. He comes in and does what? All he does is hit. Like, he's got to play every day. Obviously, Ruiz is playing every day. And I know his average has started to drop. Who cares? Let him play every day. Let him learn. And then I'm sitting here. Noda's not in the lineup today? Lefty. Who cares? What, Matt, why are we playing matchups? Oh, look, Connor Capel's in the lineup. You're 5 and 19 and you're playing matchups? I mean, I mean, like, Connor Capel's in there and he's lefty. It's like, this is the game plan. Well, you're 5 and 19, but this is the game plan. Let Noda play. Let Noda learn how to hit lefties. He also gets on base at a high clip. At a high clip. Every day you look at Noda's walking. And then he springs in some hits. Spring. He gets on base. What's he do? He gets on base. He gets on base. I get it, though. You want to have Langoliers DH, and then you can have Perez. I'm just, I just, but it's like, give me young, give me young. I'm starving for young. I'm starving for young players, and I, and I don't want to. I mean, it almost is like playing matchups. You're playing matchups, like. Am I crazy? No, I think the, I think these guys should be playing too. Like what? 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 I. But here's the problem: you went out and signed these veteran guys, and you kept some veteran guys, and so you're kind of stuck with what you built until you, you just have to just say enough's enough. And I don't know. I mean, front offices like to stick around with the plan a little bit longer than 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 fans. But as a fan, I'm like, I've already seen what the plan looked like, and it failed. So it's not like, you know, you got to throw con- uh, conventional wisdom out the door. It's got to go out the door. You're playing matchups. And that, you know, managers will tell you, I'm sure Mark Kotze will tell us, hey, we're trying to win every game. Great. Well, your matchups got you to 5-19. and 19. Maybe it's time to yeah. Just like Your game plan, if you, yeah, you, you can say all the you can say all you want. This is what we want to do, but this is a results business. Wins and losses. Wins and losses say you're five and nineteen with your process. So how long are you going to go with the process? And this could be something that they continue to do all year long because they like to stick with. This is what we do. We're going to exploit the matchups. I rather say, you know what? Throw a guy in there, let him learn, let him play. He's not great against lefties in his career. Why? Well, because now we never allow guys to learn how to play. I mean, they do this in the minor leagues. The guys too. They do this all over baseball. They 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 label you. They do the worst thing you can do to somebody. They label you early. You can't do this, so we're not going to allow you to do this. It's just wrong. Remember in the World Series for the Dodgers, they weren't playing Bellinger and Muncy against lefties? How'd that work out for them? Oh, but they're so smart. They're so smart. Everybody's so smart. Everybody's so smart. And they're going to stick to their to the, to their little game plan, but it's like, uh, we know what your game plan's going to produce. So if you're going to lose, the way you get better while losing is developing players. You're not developing 32-year-olds. You're not developing 31-year-olds. Hell, you're not developing 28-year-olds. And Brent Rooker's having a great start to the year. Huh? And Brent Rooker's having a great start to the year, but you're he's, right. He's an outlier. All right, play him. Rooker's doing great. Last 14 games, he's hitting 386. 
He's got a 1,341 OPS, six bombs, 14 RBIs. He's earned the right to play. So play him. That's fine. But you can't have a roster full of these guys. No, I think one – I think – I got like Rooker's fine, and then you have young outfield like Capel and Ruiz playing today. Yeah, like Cape, Cape. What has Capel done? Capel's just hit. Was he hitting now like two two ninety four? I think it was close to three hundred. He's hit. So you know what? He's earned the right to play, and he gets on base too. He and, or he gets on base, but he also steals some bags. So I think he's yeah. second on the team in steals four, I think, because SD Ruiz has five, which that sh- number should be higher. That it, I'm not going to say it's criminal, but it's it's uh, yeah, it's 1341 for Rooker. Um, yeah, it's almost. I almost want to say to Ruiz, like, bro, what are you doing? You only have this. You had 88 last year. Bags are for the taking. Stolen bases continue to be way up. Yeah, I saw that in the notes. I did a whole thing because I read an article. When's Farron joining us? Uh, He's supposed to in like two minutes. All right, coming up next, we'll get into all of this with our buddy Mike Farron from XM Sirius, the MLB channel, and he was your play-by-play voice of the WBC right here on A's Cast Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. You know, I think it's really important to be loyal. And we have preached loyalty with A's Cast Live here for a long, long time. And I have the utmost loyalty to my favorite satellite host. I mean, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pay my kids college tuition because I pay for my XM Every single month. So it's always looking for a handout, aren't you, Tony? I can, I can always, you know, I'm making sure. I, my, my kids might have to go to community college, but I still get Mike Farron every morning. As long you'll, as I be, get, you'll be glad to know that there's a very good community college system in the state of California. So you're, you're in luck. Well, because all my money's going to you because how much I love your guys' program. Well, I appreciate that. How are you, buddy? I'm doing, you know, nothing going on here. How about you? Yeah, not much. Everything's fine. Just real quiet. Yeah, real quiet. Just, you know, just a little rough start of the season. But as they say, it's early. It's early. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes, there's. A, it's a long season. It is a marathon, not a sprint. 
Um, I really don't want to get into the whole Vegas thing because of how much it hurts our fans. But just from what you have heard from a national perspective, we're not running from it. It is what it is. We're going to talk about it. Um, It affects all of us. It affects us personally. It affects all of our friends, our coworkers, all of our fans. But just from a national perspective, when people are looking at the Oakland A's and all, what, what are you hearing? What are people saying? I mean, I think for the most part, people are are very sad for Oakland sports fans in general. I mean, when you figure, especially when you factor that this is what three teams in the last decade that have left Oakland, left the East Bay. I think that's number one. Um, I think those of us who who know really appreciate Oakland athletics fans because I think they're they are uh, one of the most unique groups of fans that you're going to run a, come across. They are uh, gritty and funky and fun and love the game and and love a team that that I think at times doesn't feel like always loved them back. And so I think that's a, a big part of where the discussion is right now. I think there's a lot of finger pointing that has gone on towards, I think most of it directed towards ownership. I think there probably is some that is, um, you know, that needs to be directed at the way that negotiations dragged on over the course of nearly two decades with the city and the county and the state as well. Um, But in the end, I think it's just the, I mean, the overriding factor is sadness, right? And like the, the people that really, you know, (laughs) the, the ones who always get hurt the most in the divorce are the kids. And that's in this case, the fans, right? And so A's fans are the ones that really suffer from for this in Oakland. And, um, and it's not fair to them. I don't think, I mean, I, I think there's, I think this could have had over the course of the last 15 years, you know, dozens of different outcomes along the way that would have gotten to a place that not only would have kept the A's in Oakland, but given them a new stadium and given, given their fans hope that their team would compete consistently at a level commiserate with the market size. Yeah. It's tough for me because this is not my first rodeo. I mean, I used to work, I I used to work for the Raiders. I've lived this before. As I try and tell people, I was on the last ever Oakland Raiders flight uh, coming back from Denver and got to see everybody say goodbye, knowing that it was it. So I, I'm, uh, I understand sadness. I understand the, but I also stand the business of it. And when you're about to lose your third team, there's got to be some accountability. But it's not something that I, I, I want to get into now. I just want a little bit of your guys's perspective. Yeah. Um, when you start looking at where we are with the game as we're looking at the first couple weeks and a lot of people are saying okay how do we see the new rules we're seeing certain teams here comes cody's pirates hey are the rays that good oh my god are the cardinals that bad so just your kind of look as doing a national show every day what are some some takes that you got here for the first couple weeks yeah i mean i think the the pitch timer has been pretty successful at doing what it intended to do, which was increase the, the pace of action, at least to a spot where we were 10 years ago or or more. Um, The, the stuff that Sean Foreman's group of baseball references kept track of shows that the time between balls in play, I think is the shortest between in the last 15 years, even though the strikeout rate and walk rate are largely unchanged. And so I think that speaks to just the fact that the game has sped up and it's the game times are closer to when we were kids, Tony. I mean, yeah. like we you gotta go back to 85 to have game times like this, but I heard 81. I heard 81. Oh, yeah. I was like, Hey, I mean, 
this guy wasn't around. I was nine years old in 81. Yeah. My God. Yeah, I was five. I mean, so, like, the, this is – I think this is actually really exciting because I think it is – hugely important that baseball got a hold of that, even if none of the other things, I mean, I think, you know, having more hits because of the shift restriction or having the pitch timer, meaning more balls in play or having um, uh, the bigger bases lead to a ton of stolen bases, which wasn't even something in the league office until Theo came up with that idea, just kind of mentioning it offhand. I mean, the bigger bases were designed for safety first and foremost. Like, I think all of those things were largely wish-casting, although, you know, stolen base attempts are up per game, but just to levels that they were in 2012. I mean, I think all of those things are positives, um, just in the sense that we are getting the same amount of baseball action. It's just packed into a tighter product. And I think that's going to be a huge benefit for people with busier lives. I mean, it's really hard to commit three and a half hours a night, 162 nights a year to, a, to, to a game. And I think what's incredible is that, that I believe it's still the case, unless it's changed in the last couple of days that this season, there has been one, nine inning game that's gone longer than three and a half hours. And that was on opening day, the Cardinals and the blue Jays, which was like a, an 11, 10 affair. Like that's been it. And last year it was like 3% a game, something like that. So I think it's a huge, huge change. It's a huge, huge difference. Um, and I think it's been, you know, beneficial. And I think more people are, are starting to show up to the ballpark and starting to tune in as a result. I can talk about my household. I got teenagers yeah. and they're 17 and to them, going to the game for three and a half hours, I mean, we can sit here as guys that love the game, we're in the industry, no matter what the time of game we're going to watch, we're going to consume the game. But to the average person, three and a half hours, they don't even want to be in a movie theater for three and a half hours. No one wants three and a half hours. Now my kids this season are like, Dad, we want to come back to the ballpark. My kids are cool. If it's two hours, 15, 20, they're cool. And uh, you know, the reality yeah. is we these are the fans. We already got the hardcore people. It's, we got to bring the other people back in well, or get them into the game. But I think for those of us, though, that, that live and work in baseball, right, or, or those of us who are intense baseball fans, you know what we get to do? We can actually consume more baseball as a result. You know, two and a half hour games, you know, if they're starting at, you know, if you're fortunate enough to say work from home and have the the TV on or the radio on in the background and you've got a game, you know, on the West Coast starting at 10 a.m. and another one at one and another one at four and another one at at seven, like you're probably going to make it to the end of all of those, right? Like those games are all games that you're going to be able to consume. I know I can watch a lot more as a result. And I think what we're seeing is we're seeing fans stay to the end of games. And I heard I was actually watching a little bit of the Angels broadcast last night, and Mark Gubiza was talking about that and how many people were still there in the ninth inning for Angels games now compared to where they had been over the last 10 years because they don't have to go running out of there. I'll go back to last year. I was doing a week of of games in Omaha in in AAA, and one of the things they said about about the games there is the games going quicker meant that on Sundays when they did a fan – a kids run the bases – you know, after the game, when they had a five o'clock Sunday start, if the game was ending at eight thirty, nobody was there were no kids to run the bases. Now everybody was getting a chance to do it. So, I think in stadium, on TV, on radio, everywhere, it's just led to a better product. Well, speaking of your play-by-play career, we haven't talked to you since all the WBC stuff. 
as I mean, I, 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 you were the voice of the WBC. You were the Vin Scully. Uh, every single I'm time, I'm no I, Joe Davis. I'll tell you that. Every much, single so. time I turned on the the channel 89 on XM, it was you doing play by play. I mean, for your career, that had to be special. It was really, really cool. I mean, I think we talked during the WBC. Yeah, right? like I think I was sitting in my hotel room in Miami, Miami yeah. at one point. Right? Yeah. So I mean, um, it was really neat. It was. I mean, I'm grateful for the opportunity that I got to do it. It was so much fun to be a part of it. Um, it was a really special event. And, you know, it's the next one comes up in three years. And I would put it on your baseball bucket list if you haven't attended. Because especially if you can get to a spot where there are a number of Latin American teams, you know, I think if there are people who are listening who've been to winter ball games or watching who've been to winter ball games, they understand a little bit of what it's like. But there's just a different joy and energy in the ballpark. And that, to me, was the part that was most appealing to me. I mean, it was people who really loved not just their country, but loved baseball. And so all of that was really fun. It was a tremendous event. We were fortunate that we got some, I mean, just incredible games, right? Like, yeah. that was maybe the best part was that the games – lived up to the hype um and then that makes my job easier right because then it's like as an announcer (laughs) i mean you're up to like it's you can't screw that up at that point so they managed to idiot proof it for me which i was really grateful for um but it was it was a lot of fun i mean it was it was one of the coolest things i have done and probably will ever get a chance to do yeah you sound a lot better in a close exciting game than a blowout i don't know why It's amazing how that works, right? There are a few, uh, a couple fewer stories, I think, that get told in that. So, and remember, we didn't have the pitch timer. I also thought it was a great advertisement for the pitch timer that we that you've got those spring training games going on while the WBC games were happening. All right, so a couple things, and we're seeing it because everybody's got to put out the first part of the season. What are we seeing? And we've gotten to see the Rays as they whooped us for a few games. That's not saying a lot, but we actually got to see. Very, very impressed. A lot of people don't want to buy in. It's like there's something that baseball baseball people have something against the Rays. I don't know what it is. Why do people want to constantly not winning's winning? You can't take back their wins. You can't take back yeah. their home runs. You can't take back the back the pitching stats. I mean, they're leading all these different stats. You can't take it back. They've already done it. But everybody still wants to not believe. They want to they want to take shots at them. What is it with baseball, the establishment, and the Rays? I don't know that this is race specific so much as it is. Nobody picked them as the favorite in the division and they knew how difficult the American league playoff race was going to be. And we're still just like an eighth of the way through the season. So that's where I think it probably comes from more than just because you can't slam the race. I mean, they're in the playoffs every single year, right? Or nearly every year they've, they run my partner on the radio, Jim Duquette, said it this morning. They basically are a master class in roster construction on a yearly basis, right? Um, I think it's been an incredible story. It's been really fun. You know, like we we were invoking the 84 Tigers yesterday, which is, you know, they started 35 and 5, and I don't think the Rays are going to get there. I didn't think before they lost last night they would. But it starts to... Um, you start to imagine things, right? Like it, it really touches your imagination when you're thinking, okay, well, how few games are you going to lose over the course of the first quarter of the year? And in the expanded playoff format, I mean, it really means that a lot of their heavy lifting is done. They've banked, what, 20 wins to this point if they end up winning, you know, 70 more games or something. I mean, if they went 70 more games, they, they might end up winning the division. If they went 65, there's a good chance that they're in the playoffs, right? So 
I think that's the part that's that's exciting about it is that really, you know, it's not that you can go and, and print your playoff tickets now, but you have to feel really good about the Rays and where they are. The cautionary tale is always like fast starts don't necessarily guarantee that you're going to have strong finishes. And that division last year, you may remember the Yankees got off to an unbelievable start and were on pace ahead of the 98 team. And the second half looked a lot different to them. Right. So that's the part is that I think in baseball, because the season is so long, we're just trained for to wait for the other shoe to fall. And it, I think it's less about not giving the Rays credit and more about the fact that we still know that there's, you know, this ain't football. We do it every day. I did it last year. So the A's were in Yankee Stadium in late June. And we get these notes every day, right? And I was like, I am so sick and tired of reading this crap every day about the Yankees. They had this, oh, the Yankees hadn't been this hot, and they had all these different years at the Yankees, 35 mm-hmm. and 40, you know, the DiMaggio or the Mantle Yankees and all this kind of stuff. And I did it right here on this show. Cody, will. I said, I get the tape ready. The Yankees will not be in the World Series. I guarantee it. There's so much one way to win, home runs, someone will take them down. They will not be in the World Series. I was just angry at the time. But I was right once again because they have not been to the World Series since 2009. But, it's yeah, it's like these hot starts, especially with a team in the Northeast. Yeah. They'll start telling you about, well, the last time we saw this, they won the World Series. I mean, it's like slow Well, it's crazy. Down. Like, compare it to what happened to Boston in 2018 where nobody was on that team, like, for most of the year. I mean, it was finally at the All-Star break. Everybody starts looking up and going, wait a second, they got a chance to be pretty good and then you get to the end of the season and it's like they won 108 games right like that's one of the best records in baseball history so I don't know that it's necessarily that I think a lot of it has to do with you know this was the Yankees that had you know got enough of this great start and you have the judge story throughout the course of the summer and so in the second half they were beset by injuries and it was a little bit they had guys that were way overperforming early in the year like Trevino and uh, and Tyner Falefa in particular on the offensive side you know it's a little bit different Yankee team and I think if you watch them right now like the second half of their lineup is pretty thin they're a pitching and defense squad. They're, they're stealing back. Great to this point. They're, yeah, well, they were running backs. last year too. <laughs> they were stealing bases last year too. I mean, that was the other part of it. But they just don't. They're not. This is not the Bronx Bombers so much as they seem like they're trying to build a complete roster. Although I'll tell you what, the second half of that lineup is a little thin, and they don't look like right now because we just we like we pick a series each week to kind of lock in on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday series, and this week was Twins Yankees. The Yankees' offense right now is a way more aggressive offense than we're used to seeing from the Yankees. And so that leads to days like Monday and Tuesday where the Twins had starters that were in the 50s for pitch counts as you got to the fifth inning. Um, And it also leads to days like today where Ken Maeda didn't have any command and they just smoked the ball all over the yard, right? So it's a lot of inconsistency in there when you have a super aggressive offense. I mean, you guys know, I mean, it's, you've watched how the A's when they're at their best have been teams that have grind, ground out at bats, right? Just grind it, grind it, grind it. And that's not that Yankees team right now, which I think is really interesting for this year. Well, I don't, and I, cause I don't know how they get to that. Like even with getting Stanton back or getting Harrison Bader back into their lineup, I don't think that necessarily solves some of those things that they have going on. Yeah, see, I, I am the ultimate sweetheart to my guy. I mean, when I listen to that portion of your show when you guys pick the series and your producer picks the same one to watch as Jim Duquette, I mean, you're all over. You're 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 harsh on Eddie? your guys. Yeah. yeah, Harsh. Eddie deserves that, though. I mean, he said Cody. I would never do that to Cody. 
I mean, Cody is like, I mean, he's like a unicorn Cody. walker. He's like Otani walking around here with his ponytail. Uh, I'm, I'm, cl- I'm on cloud nine. The Pirates are 16 and eight. I, I can't. Do you believe in his Pirates? I think they are on the right path. Oh, come on. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, Do that's, you believe in his Pirates? That's layman's no, terms for no. This year. No? Oh, you break a baseball man's heart. Come on. The guy's been waiting for years. moving in the right direction. I'm a big Ben (laughs) Sherrington guy. always have been. They have talent that's coming. They're going to get Dylan Cruz with the number one pick. And that dude, like I just saw this weekend. I just had LSU Ole Miss on Saturday again. And, like, Dylan Cruz is legit. Like, he is the real deal. Um, You know, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a superstar, but he's going to be like a way above average major league regular as a center fielder and go to all-star games. And he's like, he's a difference maker. Um, And the Pirates are going to have him too. Like, yeah, they're going, they're going to be really good. And don't say hopefully, because they're going to take Dylan Cruz because he is a no doubt one, one. It's not like they're going to play the years that they've played that game where they try to spread the money out is when there isn't the no doubt one, one. So you're saying you're making this trip to the Bay area. You're on your way. You just end up in Fresno and you never get to the Bay Area. Is that what you're saying for the Pirates? Yeah, basically. It's like you you're just Fresno. Get, you get sidetracked in Fresno. <laughs> you're Fresno. Sorry it's okay. They're, they're, they're building a bully in the NL Central. <laughs> Spring, speaking of Fresno, um, they are what are they the uh, best chance to run down your uh, your Spartans in the uh, in conference this year? San Jose State leading the league. Well, uh, our guy Brad Sanfilippo is uh, tearing things around there in yeah. Spartan world. Taking all of Chris Townsend's money and putting it to good use on the facility. <laughs> we <laughs> paved the path for this greatness. What we paid back in the – getting our ass handed to us by Phil Nevin and Mark Kotze <laughs> at Cal State Fullerton when I was there, that, and Jason Giambi at Long Beach State. Back when we were the Big West, by the way, that's how old I yeah, am. Well, that's we, the, paved the, <laughs> we paved the way. I noticed you've gone to a more modest conference. <laughs> Things have changed since the 90s a little bit. I let Kotze say no. Hey, we My t- problem is that I can't get Franzen to shut up about it now. He's like, oh, yeah, we're going to win the Mountain West. We're good. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Kev. Hey, and then, and then next thing you know, here comes football season, and we're going to knock off USC week one. You heard it here. Write that one down too, Cody. Yeah, yeah mark the, the tape. tape on that. Yeah. Make sure that you have that. Don't worry, I'm, I'm, going, on football I'm going on that trip with him. I think so. Uh, I'll, I'll just experience it firsthand. Is it great? All these kids go. What does he mean by mark the tape? Yes, there used to be reel yes. to reel back in the day when Mike Farron and I first started in this business. Uh, are there anybody out there that you're like, oh boy, this is a, this is not a great start. It's early, but it's not a great start. And White I, Sox, hundred percent the White Sox. Cardinals. Cardinals I'm a little less concerned about. I mean, I think, like, I am concerned about the Cardinals starting pitching because they just don't have a rotation that misses bats, but I think they're going to be fine in the end. It's a little bit softer division. With the White Sox, it just is not going well pitching-wise. Offense, I think they had the worst four-game stretch offensively that they've had in the modern era. I think it was 11 hits over the, the three games in Toronto. It's something like 15 hits in their last four games. Um, and their pitching hasn't been very good either. I mean, and and you have their president um, 
of baseball operations coming out and saying that he's very concerned. And Kenny Williams yesterday to the Chicago Sun-Times that he'd, he'd say, I'd be lying if I weren't worried. Um, that's the one that I think is right now the, the team that I would be very concerned about is the White Sox. But the other ones, I mean, it's still early, right? It's, it's April. And listen, even the White Sox at 11 games under 500 could turn things around. I mean, I'll never forget 2000, the year the White Sox won the World Series in 2005. The Astros that year started 15 and 30, and they ran like the front page of the sports section of the Houston Chronicle had a tombstone that said RIP Houston Astros on it, right? Like, <laughs> like this was the end of the run, and they ended up winning the National League pennant. Oh. So, like, there's, there's a, it's not easy. It gets late early around some of these places, but the White Sox basically have to play at a 95-win clip from now to the end of the season in order to get into the postseason mix, and that's going to be very difficult to do even in the Central. Kenny Williams, Oakland native, former Stanford baseball mm-hmm. and football player uh, back in the day. And I you know, kind of joke about our buddy Bob Melvin, like um, they, need to, they need to figure out how not, not to get shut out so much. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Like the offense still hasn't clicked. Soto hasn't clicked with the Padres. Um, I think they're going to be fine. I think once Tatis gets rolling, which could happen, you know, at any moment, I mean, the guy hasn't played a game in, uh, in over a year before coming back last weekend. Um, I think that's going to be, I think things are going to be okay in San Diego. That division's a little tighter, right? The back half of the Dodger lineup isn't as good as it has been in the past. A few more questions, of the rotation, um, you know, the giants are okay. Um, you know, I don't, think they're great but they're good at mixing and matching and getting the most they can out of their offense and their starting rotation is good the diamondbacks are are interesting because they're young on the position player group although i'm not sure that their pitching is quite ready for prime time so it's a little different division than they've been in the last couple of years but i really think that that's that that padres team is going to get going at some point go ahead cody you're concerned because Cody, if you offer Cody $440 million or something like that, Cody's taking it. Juan Soto, no. Cody, you're worried? Uh, I'm worried, Mike. He's hitting 188. Um, what is yeah. he in, like 220? If he's hitting 220 as a Padre, is it, I think. This is now not a small sample size dating back to last year. And then all my buddies in San Diego, um, they've kind of had it with Juan yeah. Soto. I understand. I'm still not worried. He's How old is he? 24? When when do you get worried? When, when I mean when he when he how many how many how many twenty four mo- yeah how many months do you have to go not hitting your weight to to where you get worried? I'll go. I'll, I'll wait if he gets if he is at on July first and things don't look good, then I'll start getting concerned. Okay, we're we're on the J- July first watch. All right, mark the yeah. tape. All right, I you know listen to mark your show, uh, Nito Zach Nito who we are uh, Neto who we're seeing yeah. here. Uh, I know you're a big fan of he's now big fan because you know why I know because I listen to your show. Well, <laughs> I have brought him up a time or two. He was yes. one of my favorite players. Neto is your guy. Our broadcasters will call him Neto last time. Like, it's not Neto. It's Neto. Well, I'll tell you what. His career has a chance to be really Neto. Ooh, look at that. See, that's why he gets paid the big bucks on satellite. How do we kick this guy off? It's like him and Stern. <laughs> hey, what's this I hear about, like, you putting pitting me against um, Johnny Gomes in a leadership match? <laughs> Remember yesterday before we ended the show, we were talking about you're like, Leader of men, Johnny Gomes. I'm like, oh, I'll take Farron. Because we're talking about we're promoting our guests. We're dealing with a lot of stuff. I don't remember everything. What were we doing? We're, you're promoting our show for. I was promoting Farron as my favorite host. He was promoting Gomes, and then I promoted I was you. promoting Gomes first. Yes, I, today's no. TV day. I'm doing TV the next two days, doing the A's uh, pre and post game <laughs> show on TV with my, my man, Johnny Gomes. 
Ah, that's my guy, too. Tell Johnny. How do you like the background here at the studios at NBC? Beautiful. You like that? Very nice, yeah. yeah it is it's nice. nicer than I, – I don't have the background that I had the last time I was on, which was just a picture of you. Yes, so I, I kind I'm of enjoyed that. To find my, uh, <laughs> get into the San Jose State archives to get my Chris Townsend photos for the backdrop. I got I, – I, you know, when, when I think about Johnny Gomes and 2012, he was the leader of one of the most unbelievable baseball years. No team has ever mm-hmm. never not led the division. The, the A's never led the division ever. Because they didn't win the division until the final out was made and the season's over. So I just what he has done in his career, you think about Boston, Kansas City, uh, going to the World Series with the Rays. Everybody will talk about, you know, a leader. And it just, you never know who your leaders are going to be. Leaders, you know, as they say, not made, they're born. Johnny Gomes is truly one of the great leaders in baseball I've ever been around. And I know you feel the same. He's one of the smartest baseball people I've ever met. Ever like his just understanding, he changed the way left fielders play the wall at Fenway. Do you know that? Do you know that story? No. Ask bring him it. about. Ask him about what he learned about playing the wall at Fenway because he changed the way left fielders play it in thirteen. He noticed something about how you should play the ball at the wall there, and he probably. I would guess that he – I don't know if his assist total in front of me, but I would guess it was probably five or six times over the course of the year that he met, was able to cut down a runner trying to stretch a single into a double because of something that he noticed that nobody else had. Not even Carl Yastrzemski? I, not that I can t- – I mean, he's – I mean, I'll tell you what it is, but Johnny can tell you better. I mean, he he would play directly under the wall. The idea being if the ball, if the ball clanked off the wall, it's going to bounce back to the infield. The guy's getting second base anyway. Shortstop's behind you. But if it comes straight down, you've got to play. And it's a, and the wall's pretty dead. Having been there, there it hits and just on. goes, duh. Kind of like the parquet right. at uh, at the old Boston Garden. Guys would right. dribble and the ball wouldn't come back up. This right. is this is what I said. I said, if I'm going to war, I need a general. I want Johnny Gomes. If I'm going to have a great dinner and I'm trying to find the restaurant and the menu, I'm going Mike Farron. I think you're underselling my leadership skills. I just don't see you I can in, on a read tank. A map. I don't see you on a tank leading everybody into battle. I see you finding a good happy hour. No, no, no. I'm a true leader. I will send everybody else into battle <laughs> and stay back for a meal. But am I wrong? If I That's need what to... leaders do. They let everybody else get in the way. If I'm in the Valley of the Sun and we need a place to go, I'm, I'm asking you. Exactly. You're the king, my friend. It is always a pleasure. Thank pleasure you for always mine. supporting us. And once again, you know, I support you with my pocketbook. Well, I appreciate that. And it is great to be on with you guys again. And shout out to the last dive bar crew, because I know they're listening. So that the, they're the best. And, and, and you've been carrying Duquette for years. Let's just be honest. <laughs> now mark that tape. Cody. <laughs> <laughs> be well, my friend. We'll be listening. See you guys. See ya. Bye-bye. Mike Farron. He is uh, outstanding. One of the best hosts in all of baseball. Sirius XM. Um, literally it's all I listen to. In fact, I was in the car with you today. Yeah, I, I, and I will flip just one. Oh just, yeah, we didn't, we didn't go to NASCAR today. NASCAR, the guy on NASCAR, I don't know who the hell he is. He's the greatest host of oh, all Oh, we time. went over this. What was his name? Guy is just angry every single day. Every single day he's got an issue. Because they only race. Once a week. Well, no, they got the Saturday stuff. Dave, the Godfather, Moody. D- this guy's the greatest host I've ever heard. I'm going to ask Farron about him. What's Dave Moody like? 
probably doesn't know him. Maybe he does. I don't know. I know nothing about NASCAR, but he 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 is so fascinating. He's got the southern accent, talks really fast. He's always angry, and it hooks me. And NASCAR always has got they got a problem. They've got to clean it up. They've got this issue or this team, that team, because it's just not about the drivers. It's all about the guys and his crew. And he's talking about all that. And he's got the callers who call up. And he so and so from Alabama. And I'm telling you, no, that number three car. And then I just it's fascinating. I know nothing about NASCAR, but I but I love the I, show. I'm playing the angles with Farron because I told him thanks for coming on, like I always do. Then I said, do you know Dave Moody from the NASCAR Channel? Why? Because we want to have him on. Yes. Best host ever. But the only time I really leave, I'll go a little PGA Tour if it's like a Sunday. But the but during football season, I flip over to the NFL. Well, it, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the NFL channel is great. But I'm, I'm baseball NFL. Uh, he does not know. He does channel eighty nine and eighty eight on XM. I don't know what they are. Well, on Sirius, I know the the baseball channel is eighty nine. Also, I don't know what the football is. But literally, I live on eighty nine. And a little 88. But, yeah, I mean, in the morning, on Sunday morning, you get Jim Bowden and Dan Duquette for a couple hours. You got Jim. two. Jim Duquette. Who? You said Dan. Oh, Jim Duquette and Jim, Jim Bowden. Jim, Jim squared. squared. <laughs> doing a couple hours, and they have all the GMs on. Or baseball president, vice, ball, vice president of, of operations. Chief baseball officers. They have all the heavy hitters on, and it's fascinating. They give you the game from the front office perspective. The shows are great. Like, we were listening to loud outs on the way up. Um, see, what's what's cool about our show is that you can promote all this other stuff. Because for us, you're either listening live or people are able to watch later or listen later by downloading athletics.com slash A's cast or going on YouTube or on Twitter and, and watching the show. So we can talk about other people. Like terrestrial radio, in no offense to all my former colleagues, whether I worked with you at 95.7 The Game or KMBR, I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to either one of those. I, I just do, don't. I have for the Warriors-Kings content, but that's about it. I, a lot of homer radio. Not a factor for me. I, I, I just I, – I get in my car. I listen to Channel 89. I listen to Buster's podcast – Unsolved Mysteries, great podcast, but it's now ending. So By the way, ESPN Radio with a lot of layoffs. Is Buster's podcast surviving this? Uh, I did a podcast today with Jeff Passan. Disney has let like 7,000 employees. The theme park employees are okay, but Disney's released like 7,000 employees. And uh, I feel for all of our friends at ESPN Radio, some people that we do know, some we don't, but we've all been in this this. This part of the entertainment business together, and whenever a company, like we've seen with Cumulus, or we've seen with certain companies where they have massive layoffs, and I feel bad for all the people that have worked very hard on their careers, ESPN Radio, they let go a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it's been, it seems like it's been like a yearly thing for them now. They've been laying them, Fox, you see like every, Fox Sports Radio uh, has been doing it. But I, like, I, I can't even believe Fox Sports Radio, CBS Sports Radio, I can't even believe those are still around. Yeah, I hear Fox Sports Radio more than I hear CBS Sports I mean, they're Radio. not – they don't they, – they have shows that major markets never pick up. They're shows that are – really, they're for programming on the weekends because local stations don't want to – I'll give you just a little secret. Radio stations don't want to pay talent on the weekends because that's – you're not getting any numbers. So that's where they'll have – 
ESPN Radio, Fox Sports. I mean, it's just or play by play games. It's play just, by play rights. Well, they have play by play, but if it's not play, they'll just air and they've got. Guys talking whatever the hell they're talking about in the middle of the night. They don't care. But during the week, all these shows, like I don't, I don't know how they, they don't make money. I don't know how, I don't know how they survive. Like I, I'm a national talk show host that nobody listens to. I just, what are you doing? I was picking up my wife from the airport the other night. I had Ben Maller on from Fox Sports Radio. I love Ben Maller. He's a great dude. Uh, guess who was calling into the show? It was like midnight. Andrea. Was, Andrea called. <laughs> <laughs> like midnight oh. to talk to Ben Maller, and he was she was going over the retrograde and all that stuff, Mercury retrograde. And I was like, oh, I, I've heard this call already before. Yeah. <laughs> Calls into the post game show. I know. I didn't realize she was world famous. Uh, she like she like warrior. She calls in everywhere. We're gonna get into Mason Miller with Johnny Gomes. I thought, uh, okay, uh, the the Estuuri Esti. Este Uri is how you pronounce his name. Ruiz. That play in center field was terrible. Just not being just being honest. And I had Ken Korak on after the game last night, and it was, you know, because all we're seeing is pitch, Drury line drive up the middle, and then, boom, camera's on it. Where is he coming from? Where is this route? And he's like diving and he's contorted and he's not even close to the ball. Yeah, I remember I was like. It's not even close. No, I I was going to text you when it happened live too. I was like, what? Rule of thumb. Rule of thumb. Okay? As an outfielder. I know this because I played outfield. You can never let the ball get behind you. And if you're going to dive, you better get your body in front of it like a hockey goalie, and you be- the ball can never go behind you. Rule of thumb. I keep trying to tell people on the postgame show there are certain things you cannot do at any level because old-school broadcasters, this is the big leagues. How you do it at the big leagues? No, at the big leagues, they make bonehead mistakes too. Throwing strikes and playing defense, it's every level. Big leagues, triple-A, double-A, A, rookie, instructional, college, high school, doesn't matter. There's certain fundamentals that have to be done. And by the way, there are teams in the minor leagues and there are very good college programs that play better defense and better fundamental teams than some major league baseball teams that are spending a lot of money. That's fact. That play last night, because the whole thing was like, well, you know, and then after that, guys got hits. Well, you don't know what happens after that. You can't say if Ruiz plays it correctly on a hop, gets it in, ball goes to third, we're holding the runners. You don't know that the next two guys are going to still get hits. Everything changes with every single play. You After, after a play, you can't say that would have happened anyway. You can't say that. That's not how life works. That was a boneheaded play, and now Miller's in trouble. He's given up three runs. That was a that was or was that two runs? It was a two run triple. That was terrible. It was terrible. He could have easily pitched out of it and only given up one run. Remember, the ace got up the run in the first inning. Nota Jace Nota walks Jace, Jace Peterson with the triple. If Miller just gives up that one run. Because of the base hit by Drury, you keep it in front of you. Maybe it's 1-1 heading to the second inning. And maybe we see Mason Miller go into the fifth, potentially into the sixth. 
I know I'm old man River here talking about the sixth. Oh, God, here you go. Oh, no, it's going to take I, – I always fear where they are. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, here it is. Don't you be upset because they tore Old Space Mountain down. Don't be upset. I was hoping you'd go deeper in the game. All right, six innings, I'm Old Space Mountain. But you know what I'm saying, right? So it's like you got to play defense, especially for these kids. But I thought for the most part, I thought he played real well. I, th- I thought he pitched real well. He shows he's got great stuff. The next inning, he comes out, strikes out Trout, gets Otani looking. You know, he's got tremendous stuff. And now we'll see with Medina. But play defense behind these guys. You cannot give free passes. You cannot give free 90 feet. And that's walking, hitting batters. And you can't give outs away. And you can't allow runners to be, because right there, when we say taking 90 feet, by botching that, that's a two-run triple. Look at all the 90 feet you were taking there off that bad play. You just can't do that. Can't give away outs. Can't give free passes. Simple stuff you just cannot do. i rather throw the ball in the strike zone and let them hit 8,000 home runs against me. At least, I, at least I gave myself a chance. I don't give myself a chance by playing bad defense. I don't give myself a chance by walking guys. I don't give myself a chance by hitting guys. It's fact. That's how the game's played. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. And it's going to upset you, but that play with Mason Miller when we talk about controllables, when he threw that pitch and it's out of his hand, Jesus, take Jesus the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. He can't control. I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll go Carrie Underwood on that one. <laughs> that was a Jesus, take the wheel. He had no control, but he didn't give up the base hit. Yes. But, yes, does, I, go back because when I was when, – so when I started the postgame show, going back to what we were talking about with Mike Farron about length of games, like – Think about by the time I'm talking about that on the postgame show, that was like three hours ago. It was the first inning. <laughs> right? It was yeah. like three hours. The game was three hours and 27. How long was it? No, that game was, the game was under three hours last night, I thought. Was it? Wait, but by that time, it was almost like three hours. The so, night before was longer. So, yeah, it was 327 the night before. So, But as I was doing it in, in my studio, I had quick pitch on on MLB Network, and that highlight was up. So I got to see it again right when I started the postgame show. I go, my God, the way he broke in knew he took a bad route and then still tried to dive for it. And the way he contorted his body and literally – how many feet do you – It was in close. I don't know. Broadcasters are great at saying feet on the radio when they say, oh, he's about 15 feet off the line. How do you know that? I, so, I, I don't know. It was over a foot. He was not sniffing it. No. And uh, the game was two hours and 47 minutes last night. Yeah. So, by the time I got on to talk about it – It was like about three hours. Three hours. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, it was a bad play, bad play. But Medina tonight, I'm excited. I'm excited for these young guys. I'm excited for these young arms. Power arms, let's go. Go out the stat again. We're now the third youngest team. Yeah, I, I got this stat because we're here at NBC, and we'll be talking about it on uh, A's pregame live, that we started as the 12th, what, how do you want, oldest roster? Yeah, I guess that's that's. I guess we're now the third youngest roster. So finally, we're getting young. See what happens bring Mason Miller, Medina, uh, Medina, and younger Jordan Diaz. Bringing in guys are twenty two, twenty three brings that average down. But yet in your lineup, I have right here Aguilar thirty two, Lebmus Diaz thirty two. I mean, Uh, Tony Kemp's not in there today, but he's been there today. Perez is hitting well, but he's, what, 32, right? I have no idea how old he is. He's like 32 or 33, I thought. I'll tell you right now. 
It's 32. Having a great start to the year, though. Got to have him in the lineup. We have back-to-back 32-year-olds hitting three and four, three, uh, three and five, not back-to-back. Oh, yeah, back-to-back. Uh, Jesus Aguilar hitting fourth. Carlos Perez hitting fifth. We have back-to-back 32-year-olds. Uh, We're a rebuilding what about, team. What about Aletmus? He's right after him. We have three straight 32-year-olds. <laughs> and We're a rebuilding team. And Rooker's 28, and he's right, and he's hitting third. Rooker's earned the right. Yeah, no, for sure. He's Rooker's, having a great start to the year. Rooker has earned the right. We've got three straight. Just let me check. Diaz is exactly 30, 30, 32. 32, I think, yeah. 32. We're starting three straight 32-year-olds, fourth, fifth, and sixth in the lineup, and we're a rebuilding team. Not one of these guys is going to be here in two years. Now, there's a contract there with the Letmus Diaz. Guarantee in two years, none of these guys are here, but we're playing it could, it them now. Been, it could have been older. Them now. could have been older if we had a Letmus playing short and, and – Jace Peterson playing third tonight. Well, if we had Tony Kemp in the left. Yeah. That, that, the average age is over 30. How old's Kemp? 32. 31, I think. Tony Kemp. I think he's 31. When's that birthday, baby? Tony Kemp is 31. He'll be 32 no, uh, October 31st. But at least the rest of the guys, Kevin Smith, Capel, Ruiz, Diaz, they're, all, they're younger. Langoliers. Medina. It is what it is. Do we see Fuji tonight? I mean, he's available. He was avail- supposed to be available. Pitched out the bullpen last night. He didn't. Sammy Long came in. Great debut for the A's. Do we? If they need Fuji, oh, there's no doubt. They got to get him in the game. Yeah, Fu- Fu- Fuji will be in tonight. Because if not, the next <clears throat> the next the game we have is Friday, or we have a game tomorrow. I forgot. I keep thinking tomorrow's not day. It's a day game. All right, coming up next. Our old buddy Johnny Gomes. Love me some Johnny Gomes. He'll join us right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Now joining us here on A's Cast Live from the studios in San Francisco. I know I've said this a lot, but I'll continue to say it. I have covered a lot of people who have worn the green and gold. I've covered guys that were playing for the green and gold when I wasn't even alive. I've now gotten to know them over the years. I've been around this for a long time, and I'll continue to say it. He is one of my all-time favorites, and I can't tell you, Johnny Gomes, how excited I was. You know, they, you know when they get us ready for what's going to happen on the TV schedule, and, you know, I'm always in here when Brody's not here, and they told me that you were going to do it. I was like, right on. Yeah. Like the perfect guy for us. Side by side with Townsy. We ride again, the Johnny and Townie show. We do. Let's get it in. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's good to be back. Um, Baseball is all I know, man. Baseball is all I know, so I'm not playing anymore. Of course, those cleats are definitely hung up. But uh, let's talk ball. Well, you know, we I've mentioned it plenty of times with you that, you know, a guy that we're both close with, Bob Melvin, had so much respect for you that Bob Melvin said, I see him as a manager. And we've talked about that multiple times with Bob, and I've mentioned it to you. First of all, what does that mean to you when truly one of the best managers of his time? I mean, Bob Melvin's won manager of the year in both leagues. I mean, the success that he's had. Uh, looking to get that first ring, but the respect he has in the business is unbelievable. The fact that he didn't have you for like years and truly saw 
what your leadership quality are, leadership qualities are, and the man that you are, that he thinks you could be a great manager in this game. Yeah, it means a lot coming from that guy. Like you mentioned, manager of the year multiple times. But I think there's a lot he does outside of the limelight. A lot he does in the clubhouse, on the plane, on the bus, allows you to get the best out of you. And I think more than anything, he just puts you in situations that you will shine in. And if you're not in a situation, door is always open to Bob Melvin. Well, plenty of times I was in his office doing the Bob Melvin show and you would have people come in and like, I wasn't even there. Right. And, and we, we all know when I'm around, especially back in the day when I wasn't working for the A's and I was just working for 95, seven, that everybody kind of knew what was said. I was never going to turn around and go to the air with that. So people would come in and say stuff as I was sitting on the couch and it was, it just goes to show we don't know the everyday basis, the heartbeat, the problems, the issues. You guys are human beings. You've got wives, you got girlfriends, you got parents, you got kids, you got friends. There's issues going on. And the one guy that's got to kind of make everything work and go well, I always say he sits at the front of the plane, he sits at the front of the bus. He's a leader. That's the manager. That is the manager. That's the heartbeat of the whole thing. That's the captain of the ship. And at the same time, The captain of the ship isn't someone you always go to when something's wrong, right? So he also has these little branches underneath him to get the heartbeat of the whole clubhouse and allow me to just like run range in the clubhouse and allowed me to police a lot of things that might have been a little bit a lot at the time for a player, but that's what he needed at the time. I mention all the time a guy that came over to us from the Boston Red Sox that needed policing, and I think he really helped his career, was Josh Reck. You played a very, I've said before, you kind of had your thumb on red as there was times that you needed to kind of pull him back, but you had to let him be him. But I think there's no question what you did for his career really helped him after you left and then take him all the way through Houston. Yeah, that's one of the things as like a leader and a clubhouse guy is, you know, you never want the credit, right? You got to let that player have the credit. But at the same time, it's not really a train track way of playing or a train track way of coaching. But not only was there, you know, Josh Reddick, but guess who else we found was Josh Donaldson. Very interesting <laughs> personality. Love JD. Yeah. Even uh, Cespedes coming over, right? And Cliff Pennington and Derek Norris. And I mean, that team, the 2012, a lot of guys branched out, but a lot of guys didn't really have the direction at such a young age in their career. And I'm just blessed to be able to help them help them out and get in their way. And man, they took off and were really, really successful. Yeah. When I think of that about that year, we just mentioned it yesterday because, you know, a lot of people are trying to poo poo the starts like, oh, the Rays are not that good. I don't believe in the Pirates. I'm like, you know what? That's part about the being a romantic in sports is enjoying as a sports fan. I brought up two teams and you'll understand this being a Bay Area guy. I say the We Believe Warriors. Yep. No one gave them a chance out of nowhere. They make the big trade. Next, you know, they're in the playoffs. They knock off the Mavericks, who are the number one seed. We'd never seen that before. And the 2012 Oakland Athletics. Yep. No one believed in the 2012 A's. No one believed even when the A's got hot starting in June. But that's what we love about sports because you never know. Yeah, there, there's no algorithm for that. There's no past. There's no this. But the one thing I learned is you know, I was on that 08 Tampa season team. Yeah. Uh, won the division with the Reds. Wasn't supposed to happen. 12, 14 Oakland Athletics was a little more talented of a team. Went to the wild card, of course, 13 uh, World Series. And again, the Royals in 2015. But the one thing I learned is like you can't panic. 
right? It's not the best of start, but you can't panic. And it takes a while for a team sometimes to create an identity, right? And the identity comes with like reps and success. So success hasn't been there like right away. And what was our 2012 identity? Well, we were not, we were walking off. It seemed like every time at home, (laughs) right? Yeah, we really were. And which made us believe we were always in the game and we're always going to be exciting late. Is that the best identity to have is to walk off? Not really. Right. You want some starting pitching. You want some homers, all this stuff, but we able to ride that. And there has to be something that the Oakland athletics this year can create an identity around. And I think about Mark Kotze and what's tough is, is Mark Kotze obviously has the respect for what he's been as a coach for the Oakland athletics as a longtime player, 17 years in the big leagues and some great years with the A's. But he knew going in last year was going to be a year coming out of a lockout. It was, you know, you're going to use a lot of players. He was 64 guys. And then here you're off to a bad start. So tell us what it's like when you're trying to establish a culture, but you're not winning and you're utilizing a lot of guys. How do you develop that culture in a clubhouse? Well, it starts with, you know, he's probably got 12 to 15 guys developing their career while in the big leagues. Granted, it's not AAA. Granted, it's not, you know, double A. There's a lot of guys getting their first crack. We always say as a player, it's about like 1,500, 2,000 at-bats until you know what you're going to get. So that's why it's going to be peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, and you really have to praise the peaks, and you have to get them out of the valleys as soon as possible. That's tough to do. It is tough to do, and it takes the whole coaching staff. It takes the players. it, It just takes the whole group to get together. I heard this about a manager that he has words in spring for everybody. If he doesn't live by those words throughout the entire season, it really changes how the players feel about him. So when I say that to you, how how important truly is it that the guy at the top and what Mark Kotze is going to say right now, he sticks to his guns no matter what happens throughout the years based on his rules, the environment he wants, kind of like that teacher The minute the class gets squirrely, if you don't take care of it. Yeah, that's it. You definitely want these young guys to have a long leash, but with a long leash comes a lot of mistakes, right? So it's not really the iron fist clat down on the mistakes. There has to be coaching moments in all these bad mistakes. It's like, oh, oh, you know, so not so much punishing the player as much as being more hands-on, educate them of why, educate them with the other teams doing to you. And at the end of the day, there's so many young ball ball players on this team well guess what that's so many more opportunities for rookie of the year that's so many opportunities to shock the world boom so it's like there's no excuses oh we're young you're on well yeah. yeah well we got the most odds for rookie of the year let's get one yeah i i i i want my guys and what i want from this team right now i want bold yeah like i'm I, i'm still frustrated ruiz hasn't stole that many bases i want like when ryan noda he's been picked off before but ryan noda's aggressive i want everybody aggressive right. be aggressive if you're gonna make mistakes so what my god we're, we're five and 19. yeah do whatever i mean balls out every game all day this game is about winning don't be afraid to make mistakes i hope that's the message inside the clubhouse yeah that's how it's got to be like pass balls pass balls suck but i want that pass ball to go to the backstop on a fly right if you're going to air mail a ball from second base shortstop third base i want it in deck four <laughs> right if you're going to strike out well i want two foul homers that were almost yeah. fair and we have something to go on and then steal it's like someone handing you 10k of their money and saying go to vegas and 
hang with them. You're going to make some silly decisions because it's not your money. And that's how they got to play. It's the house money. The first time I met you was I was auditioning for ESPN radio in Los Angeles. Every day is an audition. And I was (laughs) every damn day. And I was, I was, they were the angel station. So I was there at the big A you at the time. You're not going to remember this, but you were a devil Ray at the time. And I remember we interviewed you and the amount of people that you had in left field. I remember what year this was. This is my, before my kids were born. So it's gotta be like Oh three or Oh four. Yep. And all these people from Petaluma came down and we were doing the show and all day. They could Johnny, they had this cheer and it was Petaluma. 707. You remember what I'm talking about, right? Yes. The area it was, and that was the first time we were like, this Johnny Gomes guy is really popular. Right. Uh, going back to your dad, de- I mean, you were a devil, Ray. Sure was. You, you knew what it was like to be on a team that was going to take its lumps. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we were. And there was a lot of veterans that came in. And what I noticed like right away is these veterans want to come in and play well to get traded, which is par for course sometimes, but I didn't like that. Someone has to step up and want to do good for this org and get this org in the right direction. But with those veterans coming in, I learned a lot from these guys. My first big league spring training, I got Fred McGriff and Tino Martinez. (laughs) Let's go with that baseball IQ right there. So getting a little piece of the puzzle growing up in the AL East, right? You got the Yankees and uh, the Red Sox every single night, it seemed like. But, yeah, I mean, it was like thrown to the wolves. And then guess what? We woke up one day and there's World Series painted on the grass in 2008. Like, oh, okay, this is how it's done. Uh, you, you learn. And, yeah. and, by the way, how happy were you for the crime dog to get in the Hall of Fame? How about it? He deserved it. Way overdue. Way uh, overcooked. Like, it, it, when people would criticize him and you're like, man, I don't know. I grew up in the 80s. Right. Right. This guy was hitting bombs for the Blue Jays. Then he was hitting bombs for the Padres. Then he was hitting bombs for the the Braves. He turned the Braves around. Yep. I mean, and helped them with their their championship. I mean, Fred McGriff was a and good defensively. Yeah, I remember them talking about. I think he had like four hundred ninety seven homers, and they're like, ah, he doesn't have five hundred. Well, that's missed, the dumbest excuse I've ever heard in my and, life. And he missed the time because of the 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 lockout. Yeah, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Four ninety seven over five hundred. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. But the, everyone knows the big helicopter, Fred McGriff, crime dog, and the he Tom was. and the Tom Amansky videos that he claimed he never Trash. ever watched. But yes. we saw that commercial on ESPN, especially yes. late around the Sports Center, hat. over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. It was those times that you spent. That when when people talk about you, whether it's Boston, it's Kansas City, of course, here in Oakland, something about you in the clubhouse, you, you, leaders, there's something that we, we, we just can't say this guy's the leader. Well, some guys, you just make a leader and they're terrible leaders. What is it about you? When did you first know it that this is my role? This is who I am. Yeah, well, I found out real quick the biggest separation in players. And even when you go to like arbitration, when you go to arbitration and they're doing arbitration cases, the guy that goes to the postseason will win always. I knew from Jump Street the business side of it and then the winning side of it. And then you had the really good player, but then you had the winning player. And I always wanted that winning player hung over Johnny Gomes and being that guy. And then once I got to Cincinnati, after the World Series, no way to Cincinnati, I think 9, 10, and 11. Um, I remember I was getting asked questions that I once asked. 
And I was like, oh, this is how it works, right? I mean, year four, year five, year six, year seven. Yeah. When does that happen? I got to know. But when someone asks you a question that you remember asking and that you now have the answer for, it was kind of like shoulders back a little more. People were watching. People want to learn and all this stuff. So um, I grasped that opportunity. Hence the fact I wanted more information. I never wanted a question asked to me that's like, ah, I don't know. We're going to have to go ask someone else. So I think right around that time, I became even more of a baseball rat and a stat rat and a history buff and everything. It took it all in. Well, and something that people need to realize about guys who are leaders, it's just not helping guys with, hey, this is your approach. This is how you hit. You got to help guys with money. You got to help guys with finding places. You got to help guys uh, with relationships. Like we said, there's human beings. I mean, you're helping these guys learn how to be big leaguers away from the field as much as on the field because there's a lot of sharks out there. Yeah, I tell you what, you know, one of the biggest things that I found was to be able to build a relationship with the teammate, right? So what's that mean? Well, that means when there's a runner on third and zero outs and your buddy's in front of you and he strikes out, like, sure, you want to get a hit, but you want to get a hit more to get that guy's head out of the sand, right? When your buddy's on the mound and he just walks like three and you're in the outfield, instead of like kicking rocks, put your head down, you're like, I am going to run through a wall to get my buddy off the mound, Right. Versus like, ah, oh, there's here we go again, another walk. And then boom, that ball's right there and you didn't dive. Right. So just having that friendship. And of course that happens in the clubhouse and that happens on the plane, but you have to build that. And I always thought all four major sports, when they talk post game after the Super Bowl, after the finals, after whatever it is, they always just go to this team, this team, not the best player, not this, the best team. So creating that relationship in the clubhouse, extremely important. In all these great years that you had, and championship years, what year do you look back as the best of your career? Wow. Um, there's a lot of individual moments, but, you know, from being the JUCO guy up, up north, the one thing is always like my first game, right? To be able to finally get a taste of big league baseball is at Yankee Stadium. David Wells on the mound, like, boom, we're here. Wow. You know, and then <laughs> finding out like no one cares except for you and your family. And yeah. this guy's really trying to get you out and all this stuff. Um, that was pretty cool. The first uh, finishing the season with a win, right? There's only one team that gets to do that. You think about it like you haven't won since or you haven't lost since the following spring training. And you get that taste of the win throughout the whole offseason. Fortunate enough to do that twice. Uh, fortunate to share the clubhouse with a lot of future hall of famers, a lot of MVPs, a lot of rookies of the year. Um, and then, you know, at times like unfortunate at times become fortunate now, but moving around so much, I played for six teams. That can be tough, but getting a piece of pie from each six was able to get the knowledge that I have now. We never got to see up close the parades, but from afar watching on MLB network, it seems like you never got cheated in those two parades. I was in it to win it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was in it to win. You it. were pretty primed up in the Kansas city. Uh, when you got on stage in Kansas city, you were, uh, you were raring to go. Yeah. Good thing. There's some tape of it. Cause it was a little cloudy the next day. Yeah. No, I'm not that... going to lie to you. <laughs> those are, those are always funny. Cause we, we knew, Oh yeah. yeah. Cause there's still pictures that we put up there all the time. You know, the celebration in 2012, the final, the final game, finally reeling in the Texas Rangers, how all the players with the wives and the girlfriends took the pictures sure. and you're spraying people with the hose and you're doing all that. And then all of a sudden you guys all went away and there I was up in the press box watching it and I'm doing the post game show. And there was just a pyramid of those bud 
light aluminum cans and champagne. There was just, you guys had all left, and I'm just sitting there taking phone calls, and there's the pyramid of Bud Lights. And if you don't want to do that as a player, you're not in it for the right reasons. That only the winners get to do that. You know, and then winning, what I learned too, winning's the only anniversary in sports. You know, I mean, think about all the batting titles. Think about the gold gloves. Think about the 10 consecutive gold gloves or the triple crown winners. There's no anniversaries for those. The only anniversaries are the pennant up in the outfielder behind home plate. It's fact. It's the only thing it's you really remember. That's it. Winning, winning, winning. Because all the other stuff is individual stuff. Yep. Uh, Luis Medina going tonight. You saw Mason Miller yesterday for the first time. Uh, well, let's start with Miller. You had to be very impressed with what you saw. That I mean, there's stuff, right? And that's what you want to look for out of the young guy. Stuff, of course, we're going to jump right to the velocity, right? But what makes a really good fastball, real, really good secondary fastball, that cutter I think is going to come. And if you have a really good fastball, you obviously have that arm speed, which you can create really good off speed. So if you can start getting guys off that heater with a little of this and a little of that every once in a while. But yeah, I mean, to get, you know, kicked right in the butt with four runs right in the beginning with the mishap in center field, sitting down, coming back out, and then shoving the rest of the way. You know, it's good to see a little adversity and how he handled it. I mean, it's clear. It's God-given ability. Sure. Right? And it's not like he's huffing and puffing. I mean, it's pretty effortless 100 to 102. I mean, it's not grunting and, and snarling. He's just, that's just poof, letting it rock. Well, yeah, and if you go back to, um, you know, where he came from, this 100-mile-an-hour fastball is new for him. Yeah. Right? He has a huge velocity jump the last couple of years, you know, figuring this out. Obviously a big kid. He's going from what, like 150 pounds, to 170 to 80 now sitting around 200. So this is also a new toy for him. So he's going to have to figure out how all this works. Now Medina scouting report, same thing tonight. It, it, it's, it's velocity that can sit 96, 97, jump all the way to 92. He's got a plus plus curveball. He's got a change up for me. And I know it's easier said than done, and I'm just the I'm just the guy on your screen and on your radio every single day. I say the the boob who does the post game show, but my whole thing is when you talk about being simplistic today, when you say okay, this is where we want to attack. We know the fastball moves. We're not going to nibble. We're going to set up. Hell, I'll set up down the middle. Let the natural movement go. But the key for this kid today is he has to throw strikes because if he doesn't, he gets squirrely. You start walking, guys. Next, you know, we're talking about two and two-thirds, X amount of walks, and you're out of the game. Talk about the strategy of saying, let's just be simplistic. We know what you're good at. Certain zones, we're going to stay in those zones to stay consistent. We're not going to be pitching all over the place and hey, just and nibbling on the corners. Just got to go out and be aggressive. And if they beat you, they beat you. Yeah, the one thing I've always talked about is like, so you got the minor league, so A ball, double A, triple A. You can go A ball to triple A, pretty big jump, but there's not a bigger jump from triple A to the big leagues. That is absolutely the biggest level. And you want to know what really transfers from triple A to the big leagues. It's different for everybody, right? He's going to step on that mound and he's going to look around. He's probably going to do some stuff he's never done before. So you have to have a little bit of a chain, but at the end of the day, he has to go to his strengths, right? When you start talking about, okay, Mike Trout hits this, Otani hits yes. this, he's never dealt with that before, right? He's never dealt with this huge advanced scouting report. So he has to start with his strengths and what didn't really work out, then we'll have to like readjust. But just go out there, obviously that high velocity strikes. You definitely don't want to get in, you know, a pitch count jam because we didn't really get to see what he had. I talk about competing inside the strike zone. 
Sure. It seems like a, a lot of young pitchers with these big arms are afraid to be inside the strike zone. That's where you start to see high strikeouts, but you see high walks. I always compare it to a golfer. It's like he makes a lot of birdies, but he makes a lot of bogeys. Sure. So they start to even each other out. To me today, hey, if you end up getting beat by Rimfro or Trout or Otani or who or whoever, Neto, who's at the bottom of the lineup, but they can, we know the kid can play. Whoever, but get beat being in the strike zone and giving yourself a chance. Because the odds are, Johnny, the odds still shit. No one hits 500. No. The odds are if you throw quality strikes, you will get outs. Yeah, and strike one is really important. Right? Yeah. And the one thing that I think can really benefit a young hitter along with a young pitcher is it's so foreign. Right. Not every fastball is the same. Not every 96 mile per hour fastball is the same. He can go 96. And as a hitter, you want to go in your rotodex and like, what is it like? So the first two times through the lineup, these guys have never seen your fastball, never seen your slider, never seen the depth, never seen the late movement. So definitely attack them. Yeah, I got my my gambling guys in Vegas for my old talk show that I used to bring on for football, basketball. They always said they always liked betting a team that was throwing a pitcher that a team has never seen before. Absolutely. I love the youth and I love the youth in the late playoff races and I love all that. I mean, in the 08 season, we had David Price come up, and then that 2012 season going down the stretch with five rookies, five starting rookies. Yeah, yeah I love the, the foreignness of a young player. And David Price, you remember, you know, out of Vanderbilt, the number one pick and everything. They didn't, you guys didn't start him. No. He was coming out. He was this – he's that role that I think – that we've seen with certain players. Miller did it with Cleveland. I mean, there's certain guys that have come out and they've just been electric out of the bullpen. They give you three, four great innings. And in the postseason, that's huge. And that's what David Price did for you guys. Yeah, David Price had a heck of a career. But yeah, that uh, ALDS and ALCS, he come out of the bullpen just one time through. Get us nine outs. And the second you might know what he has, I mean, you start him with the fastball, then you start him with this, and then you start him with that, and then they can get a report on you, but we didn't allow him to get a report, right? So I love the foreignness of youth players. When you look back at your time with the Rays, that's when you guys started doing things differently. Yeah, you have to. You right. Have to but there, but we, we we were all kind of like, okay, what is this shift in crap? What is this stuff? You know, you started doing that, as you said, right before you guys started going to the World Series. Joe Madden, we looked at as, you know, kind of like the crazy mad scientist. You look at where baseball is now. Talk about what it was like when you guys actually were starting a lot of this. Yeah, I mean, again, that was like house money. Okay, so we got a runner on third, and we don't have the best contact guy at the plate. We got a young guy who doesn't really hit that well. How we can get this guy in? Bunt, right? Here comes the safety squeeze. We started to do that. And I remember in the very beginning, Aubrey Huff playing third base, and then now we're going to run him out there. Aubrey Huff. <laughs> yeah. My old radio partner, Aubrey sure. Huff. And we're going to have four outfielders. Yeah. Home run in the seats. I go, unless you're putting an outfielder up on the catwalk, this isn't going to work. We still have to pitch, right? Yeah. But, yeah, like we did. We had house money, a lot of double steals. Uh, the safety squeeze, I think, became really important. It took a lot of the pressure off a young hitter. I was still trying to go to the fences. But other guys, you know, that safety squeeze and, again, the shift. So it's like some moves, some guys here and there. And we have house money. What if it beats us? Who cares? We got to get creative. And it worked. It did. And I'll tell you, big, big minds behind all that, too. So let's not forget Don Zimmer. Don Zimmer was there. Don Zimmer, he he created a lot of that action. Did he? He never gets any credit. Nah, I love me some Don Zimmer. I sat by that guy every day and got stories. Oh, you think about one, one of the great careers. All right, so you and I are doing TV today. We'll wrap this thing up. Um, I don't know, like, long-term what, what your thoughts are, but 
from a media standpoint, I mean, we've already talked about how we know you could, the coaching and what, I mean, however you want to go after that path. What do you think about this path? I love this path. Like I said, I love the opportunity. I love breakdowns. Um, I love educating the fans. It's some of the best compliments I got. It's like, oh, I never knew that was happening, right? When the game slows down, it's not boring. There's a lot of stuff going on. Let's yeah. look at the signs like over here. Look at the the center fielder was on this side, and now he's on that side. And guess where he's going to pitch him? We'll just follow the center fielder. Like, oh, let's get a fake break at first to see who's covering on a first and third. Just cool stuff that I love gathering, and I love giving it back. Well, it's all the stuff you learn in the dugout, but not everybody learns that. No. Yeah. Some people are students of the game. Some people just have the, I always say Ken Griffey Jr. Didn't care who was pitching, never watched video. Ken Griffey just showed up and hit bombs and was Ken yeah. Griffey. Yeah. He was good from nine years old all the way to the end. <laughs> probably to, yeah. He could probably DH now. Yeah. After, uh, you know, uh, rumors that, WBC batting practice. He was out hitting everybody as the hitting coach of the WBC. American of course he team. was. Why wouldn't? He? Of course he was. You <laughs> got Mike your... Trout videoing him. You <laughs> see who the goat is. Yeah. No, it's it's it's. I'm excited about today because you know, a lot of people. Obviously, we know what's going on, but you know, this is still the game that we love. We still have passion for it, and we can go out and still present it to the public and and have a good time and and. And the thing is, you being from Petaluma, you growing up an A's fan, we all really know. And it's the same thing with Dave Stewart. It's the same thing with Shooty Babbitt. It's the same thing with Pip Roberts. You guys all wore the A's uniform, and you all grew up A's fans. So it, it means a little extra something to you. It does to me, too. I mean, I'm biased to that jersey. I'm biased, biased to the white cleats. I'm biased to the Coliseum. That's where it all started for me. My love for the game really kicked off in the 89 World Series. I can't forget about that. Right, Ricky Henderson sliding head first. I slid head first as much as I could because of Ricky. <laughs> and then why wouldn't Had I? Had that work out for you? Yeah, <laughs> a little here. But uh, yeah, and then I thought it was really cool at a young age to hit a bunch of homers like the Bash Brothers. Uh, Carney Lansford getting ready, right? Like the pre-pitch, like boom, Mike Gallego doing this. So uh, yeah, those guys grew me to be a player I was. Well, I can tell you one of my original experiences with Johnny Gomes was the flight to Japan on 2012 where <laughs> – you had this jumbo jet double decker and we ran out of vodka. Yeah, I can't I, I can honestly say I got drunk twice on that flight. Yeah, and they were telling us <laughs> twice. They, they're saying, do not drink, you gotta hydrate because the time did well, yeah. Yeah. Uh we didn't take that advice. No. Yeah, and I didn't fly all the way to Japan to face King Felix either, by the way. Jeez. And then to come back on opening day and face him again. Face him again. And we had you opening when we come back. Facing the Mariners, yep. we had you already 0 for 2, yep. lost twice to Seattle, come back getting King Felix again. You did the pregame show with me and predicted this team would be in the playoffs, and everybody laughed. Good. Yeah, that's okay, right? But I mean, you you do have to you do have to have that mindset, right? And the one thing that I really brought that kind of stuck out with me is this was like a rebuilding year. I remember it was like this fake like construction tape caution, like all stuff. Like, how do you have a rebuilding at bat? Right? How do you pitch on a rebuilding team? Like, there's like you got to eliminate that, right? Like, we're here to smash balls and we're here to score more runs than the other team. Numbers, sabermetrics, algorithms, blah blah. But it boils down to whoever touches the dish more than the other team is going to win. So we just got to find some ways to do that. Now it's crazy. We talk about a lot of ways to win baseball games. Last time I checked, it hasn't changed. The team who scores more wins. Yeah. 
Fact. No matter how you do it, no matter how you figure out to score more yeah. and eliminate the other team from scoring, yep. that's the name of the game. Whether I throw a hundred, I was like, we were talking about it because we bring on Eno Saris, who's great at analytics. He's our national baseball columnist from The Athletic. And he's got his stuff plus. I'm like, well, Greg Maddox won, code it, 355? 355 games. Would Pretty Greg good. Maddox ever been stuff plus? <laughs> no. I, I, I mean, he wasn't throwing a hundred. He wasn't. Yeah. Tom yeah. Glavin. Yeah. And then, you know what? Sometimes you just got to will your way into it, right? Sometimes it's not like talent versus talent. Sometimes you just, who wants it more that night? And I always, you know, tell these young guys and stuff, it's what are you going to do tonight to not lose? Because guess what? Who want, Everyone wants to win. Every fan wants to see a winning game. But what are you going to do to not lose? Are you going to run out that hard 90? Are you going to sacrifice your bat to maybe see more pitches, right? The guy's got 80 pitches and he's going out for the sixth. Right. Well, we got to get them to 100. So maybe you have to take the first two or take the first three. You're sitting in a hitter's count 2-0, regardless that you have to take just to earn that other one. Right. You got to break up two. a lot of stuff. What are you going to do tonight to not lose? Well, in your career, you won World Series with two different teams. One was supreme power, supreme firepower. Yep. And then you won another World Series on a team that was supreme contact. You won it both ways. Yeah, you know what? That's one of the things I always bring out is a lot of a lot of people want me to compare the Red Sox team to the Royals team. Why wouldn't you, right? Like, what team was, like, better? And then made it to the playoffs with a couple other teams and also had some bad season. What I realized was winning teams are extremely different. The losing teams are all exactly the same. <laughs> right? Crap is crap, and crap. it all smells like crap. Yeah. The the Kansas City Royals, right? Yeah. It was like single, 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 yeah. single, 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 whatever. The Red Sox was like walk, walk, homer. Walk, walk, homer. The, uh, you know, Kansas City, we had that bridge. We had a six-inning guy, seventh-inning guy, eighth-inning, ninth-inning guy. You know, the Red Sox, we would our, our starters go deep totally different ways of stealing it's totally different ways of winning totally different ways of scoring the dish but when you go down to those last place teams highlight copy i could do this all day with this man and the reality is i am we're gonna do a's pregame live in just a little bit on nbc sports california and then uh, we'll be doing a's pregame live and postgame live on thursday tomorrow yep. Shohei otani will be on the mound against jp sears so we're going to be doing a lot. Once again, I have the ultimate respect for you as a person, your career, what you did for us on A's Radio, what you do for us now on A's Cast. You know you'll always be one of the all-time A's fan favorites. Now for the first time, we're in the same dugout. Boom. Coming up <laughs> next, we're going to have more for you right here on A's Cast Live. And that was uh, telling you with the great Johnny Gomes that we're doing A's Total Access. So not A's, so A's Pregame Live on NBC Sports California coming up here at 6 o'clock. Johnny Dosko standing by for Ace Total Access, which will be starting here in about three minutes. So that's the end of Ace Cast Live for today. We want to thank Mike Farron from MLB Network Radio for joining us and Johnny Gomes for joining us in studio here at NBC Sports then downtown San Francisco. Ace Cast Live will be back on Friday. We will have, hopefully, David Forst, Mark Kotze, and an Ace player on top of many other, hopefully, hopeful guests as the Ace take on the Reds. But tonight, Ace Angels game three, the four game set. Johnny Dosco standing by for Ace Total Access, which will start here in about three minutes. And Chris Townsend and I will be back on Friday. Have a good night, everyone, and enjoy A's baseball, A's and Angels tonight, right here on Ace Cast and the A's Radio Network. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.